0: Awesome. So Acts chapter uh, twenty-seven, and we'll be, we're going to be covering chapter twenty-seven and twenty-eight uh, this morning, and just uh, finishing up the, the book of Acts. Um, but up until this point, just so, we, so just so we could all uh, be on the same page, up until this point in chapter twenty-seven of the book of Acts, we've seen that that that, that Paul the apostle, someone uh, known as Saint Paul, Paul the apostle ha- has appeared before Felix, who was the governor there in Rome. You know, he's then he was there with Felix for two years, imprisoned. Because he was falsely accused of of blaspheming the temple. He was falsely accused of of, of persuading the the, the Jews to to turn away from from the law of Moses. And so as a result, he was taken to custody for questioning because a riot arose. And so Paul was uh, under custody for two years. He was going back and forth um, before Felix the governor. Felix's his term sort of ended. And then uh, Festus took over for him. And so then uh, Paul had the opportunity to go before Festus. And as Festus was, was, uh, was addressing Paul, he brought in King Herod Agrippa. And so Paul had the chance to go before King Herod Agrippa as well. And so Paul, he, he shared his life's testimony before Herod Agrippa and, and all the prominent people of Caesarea. And we see that, that Paul's message was so impacting that, that, that they end their dialogue with King Herod saying, Paul, you almost persuaded me to become a Christian. Almost. And with that, we saw that, that that they put him on a boat and sent him off to Italy. Uh, Luke, who was a writer of the book of Acts, traveling along with them as well. And we see that, that, that they've had some trouble at sea. Uh, they were being tossed to and fro. The waves were were, 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 were boisterous. The, the skies were dark and they had no way of, of navigating through the sea. And, and then verse 20 tells us that they lost all hope for survival, and this is where we pick it up in chapter 27, verse 20, you know, where it says that, that, that they lost all hope of, of survival, so just to set the scene, here they are in the middle of the ocean, on a big ship, on their way to Italy, and, and the skies are dark, they have no way of navigating, no way of sailing, you know, the, the wind is crazy, and they've just, they, that's it, they've lost it, and they're, they're recognizing that, you know what, we're going to die out here, and so verse 20 says, I'll read from 20 to 26, it says now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, men, you should have listened to me and not, and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And, and now I urge you to take heart for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of, of, of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve saying do not be afraid Paul you must be brought before Caesar and indeed God has granted you all those who sell with you therefore take heart men for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me however we must run around run aground on a certain island we'll stop right there so again we're told there you know again that that, that all hope that they would be saved was finally given up so we're staring at a at, at, at a ship of just a bunch of guys who were just hopeless they've Giving up on life that's it you know they're they're recognizing that you know what we're gonna die out here in the middle of the ocean there's no way out of this you know verse 37 of the same chapter actually tells us that there were 276 person persons on board that ship and so that's 276 hopeless people on that ship that's a lot of hopelessness that's a lot of hopelessness you know but it's in times of hopelessness you know where 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 we can where we can often see christ you know more clearly in our situations why because we get to the point of recognizing that we have no control over our lives. We get to the point of recognizing that, that, that situations are out of our hands. We get to the point of recognizing that, that things are out of our grasp, that we have absolutely no control. And it's in those times of, of extreme hopelessness that Christ is magnified, both in the Apostle Paul's life, both in uh, the lives of these 276 men, and in, in our lives as well. You know, and so we, we get to a point where we're just forced to look to someone higher you know, than us, and, and that's when God shows himself strong. That's when God shows himself strong. And so these were, were experienced sailors. I mean, keep in mind, you know, these guys, they do this for a living. You know, they, 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 they travel by sea for a living. You know, a lot of them are fishermen. A lot of them are, are, are sailors. Or you have captains on board. These guys do this every single day for a living. So these were experienced sailors and helmsmen that were leading the trip. Yeah, and all their knowledge and ability to navigate the sea, you know, they, they, they were forced to recognize that they had no control. Now, it's interesting because the world teaches us that, that we should trust in self, right? In self. Liz and I were reading through James yesterday. And then, uh, you know, James says, says a few things about, about the self-will, about the self-heart, about the self-desire. You know, and, and interesting that, that, that the world's philosophy, the world's philosophy is, hey, trusting yourself and in your own abilities, you know, and your own strengths and your own accomplishments. But the, uh, the, the Bible teaches us otherwise. The Bible tells us in Philippians 3, 7 through 8, and there's actually Paul speaking, you know, speaking about his, his past experiences and all his degrees and all his, his, his knowledge and all his learning. You know, he says this, he says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And he says, for his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it as garbage so that I could gain Christ. You know, and then, we, we see that Paul brings some hope into the situation, you know, but, but, but not without first giving them a soft rebuke. He says, guys, you should have listened to me. You should have listened to me. So, and so we see that, that a few verses before, uh, Paul had actually warned them prior to them boarding the ship that their trip would end in disaster. That's what he said. He says, man, he says, I perceive that our trip is going to end in, in disaster and much loss. But yet they still took off. Right, and so we see that he was right about that. Before they even took off, he told them, "Look, man, I, I know this isn't going to be a good a good trip. I have a bad feeling about this. Something tells me, you know, we're going to lose we're going to lose some. We're going to uh, it's not going to go good for good for us." And so he was right about that. So now they're going to have to uh, have well, they're going to have more of a reason to to trust him. And what is he going to say next? You know, and and what does he say? He says, "Hey, take heart. No one's going to die." That's what he tells them. He says, "Look, guys." I warned you. You know, I, I told you guys that that, that it was going to be a crazy, a crazy ride. That we're going to uh, suffer disaster. You guys didn't listen to me. I was right about that. But now listen to me. Now listen to what I'm going to say. And he says, "Take heart. No one's going to die." You know. And, and and what was his basis for believing that? It wasn't just his. I have a feeling, or you know, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm hoping for the best. No, his basis for for believing that was uh, well. Paul actually heard you know, from a messenger sent by God, an angel. And this angel, we're told that he assured him of these things. And so, I mean, uh, how important is it in the midst of trials for us as well, you know? How important is it is it in, is it in the midst of trials and hardships to know how to hear from the voice of the Lord? How to, how to hear the Lord in, in the midst of our trials as well? right? Because it's, it's, it's that that brings us hope, right? When we're going through something, when, we're, when we feel like we're in that pit as well, I mean, it, how important is it for us to, to just hear from God, be able to to dig into his word and know, all right, The Lord's speaking, all right. The Lord's working, all right. The Lord's promising me, all right. God's with me. For Paul, I mean, it made all the difference. Here's these 276 hopeless individuals, and all of a sudden, Paul the apostle brings hope into the situation. Why? Because he was able to hear from God. And now he became God's messenger to them. And so, I mean, again, again, I can imagine Paul at this point, you know, he had much peace. As soon as, you know, the Lord speaks to him through his angel, I can imagine he had much peace. I mean, man, if God himself sends an angel to speak to you, he's probably like, that's it, man. No worries. Not a care in the world. Though they're in the middle of the ocean, though they're still going to be there for another two weeks. And though they're, 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 they're there being rocked back and forth, probably getting seasick. They haven't ate. Guys are throwing up. You know, some are feel like just like jumping overboard. You know, though, though he's still going to be there for another two weeks. He had this peace. Why? Because he was able to hear from the Lord in the midst of this trial. For the other guys, well, though, the, the other 275, um, they had to just take, take his word for it, you know, and they didn't have the same peace that Paul had because they didn't hear from God. You know, and so, so hearing from God makes all the difference in the midst of our trials. And it goes on to say there, verse 27, it says, Now when the 14th night had come, as we were driven up and down in the, in the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were were drawing near some land and they took soundings and found it to be 20, 20 fathoms. And when they had gone a little farther, they took soundings again and they found it to be 15 fathoms. Then fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, when they had let down the skiff into the sea, under pretense of putting out anchors from, from the prow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the skiff and let it fall off. For those of you who don't know, a skiff is, is just a smaller boat that, 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 uh, that, that's on a bigger ship. They usually use it if you know, they, uh, uh, they have to abandon the ship. They'll, they'll take off in the little skiff. And so it goes on to say there in verse 33, it says, And as the day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day that you have waited and continued without food and eaten nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take nourishment, for this is your this is for your survival. Since not a hair will fall off from the head, from from any of your heads. And when he had said these things, he took bread and he gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and also took food for themselves. And in all. And in all, we were 276 persons on the ship. So when they had eaten enough, they lined the ship and threw out the wheat into the sea. We'll stop right there. So we see again that, that after two weeks of being out at sea, all of a sudden, a ray of hope shines. After two weeks, a ray of hope shines. We see that, that the sailors sense that they, were, that they were getting close to shore, I mean, Again, these are guys are experienced sailors, you know, and so they could probably hear the waves crashing against the cliffs, against the rocks, uh, against the sand, you know, and they have this, this fine-tuned ear for hearing these things, right? And so they're probably there on, on board, and, and they, all of a sudden, they hear the the waves are just different, right? The ocean is just sounding different, and they're recognizing, all right, we're close to land. We're close to land, and all of a sudden, just bam, a little ray of hope. And so we're told that they dropped four anchors. Knowing that they were close to shore and fearing that, that they crash against some rocks, they dropped these four anchors so they could keep the, the, the ship in place. And it says, interesting what it says there. It says, and fearing, they prayed for day to come. I think that's awesome. I think that's awesome because these guys went on there not knowing God and you know, not, not you know, having faith. All of a sudden, Paul the Apostle, you know, God speaks to Paul the Apostle. They're in this situation. Paul sets the example for all these guys. You know, and then now when the situation arises, it says that that they prayed for a day to come. All of a sudden, man, another praying, are praying to God. You know, the circumstances had turned these guys into men of prayer. I love that. I love that because in our circumstances as well, in our trials and our hardships, what God is desiring to do is to refine us. You know, and, and, and to and to and to cultivate in us, you know, that heart of prayer. You know, that that, that the heart that seeks after His own, like the psalmist said. it says, "My heart, uh, my heart uh, pants for you, O God." You know, and, and in the midst of our trials, you know, God is desiring to point us back to Himself. You know, and desiring to cultivate that that the heart of prayer as well in our lives. And so again, these guys, again, as, as they're fearing, says they prayed for day to come. You know, so we see that God is using this whole situation to draw them to Himself, because to God, their their, their souls are more important than, than the physical, right? Yeah, all right, they're gonna get scared for a couple of weeks. They're gonna, you know, feel real bad, get all sick for a couple of weeks. But if, if they turn their hearts to Him, then man. They're going to be saved for all eternity, you know. And, and for God, you know, the soul is more important than the physical. And so God is using this whole situation to draw them to Himself. And and many times the Lord will allow us to go through through things not because He's punishing us or not because He's angry at us or not because we made Him mad, but because He wants to draw us closer to Himself. You know, sometimes we have this false expectation of God, or you know, or maybe we're, we're taught we're taught wrong by by our parents. You know, like hey, you better be good because you know God is watching. He's gonna punish you if if you do this or if you do that, and. And 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 honestly, according to what the Bible teaches, that's a lie. You know, God is not up there just waiting for us to mess up so He could punish us or He could, could send send some kind of calamity towards us. No matter what we've done, you know, the Bible tells us that that, that God loves us with an everlasting love. Now, there's nothing that, that can get in the way of that. You know, Paul himself said, "Hey, nor nor height, nor death, nor nor death, nor nor angels, nor principalities, you know, can 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 keep us from the from the love that is in Christ Jesus." And so. Again, many times, you know, for us as well, the, the Lord will allow us to go through these things so he could cultivate in us that heart of prayer and ultimately just draw us closer to himself. And we see that some of the sailors were trying to escape in the skiff, you know, in, in that little boat. And so these guys, they dropped the anchors and, and, and there's, they were saying that they that they wanted to draw the skiff into the sea under pretense of putting out anchors from the prow. And then Paul said, again, verse 31, he said, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. So we see that there was a couple of sneaky guys who, who were trying to escape in the in the little boat in the skiff. You know, but Paul says, hey, either we all survive together or or, or none of us survives. We gotta stick together. That's pretty much what he, what he told us in Tyrion and the, the captain's he hey man, if we either we all get saved or, or none of us get saved. You know, and so we see that Paul instructs him to eat some food. He says, Alright guys, if you haven't eaten for 14 days, eat some food. He says, uh, and, and we're told that he takes some bread. That he he thanks God for it, you know, everyone as everyone's watching and and as they as they ate, they were all encouraged. And then we're told that they throw the rest of the food overboard. Man, talk about faith, right? I mean one thing is to say, All right, I believe God's gonna save us, then let's eat our last meal so we could have strength to, to get to shore and all right, let's just, you know, let's see what happens. That's one thing, you know. But what Paul did is, all right, they ate their last meal and said, "No, God's gonna save us. He's gonna deliver us. He promised me. He he, he spoke to me. You know, He's gonna do it." So, so he gets rid of all the food. You know, man, that that he talk about faith, talk about faith. Um, I believe it's James who talks about you know faith and works. You know, and he would say, "All right, you say you have faith, you know, then show me your faith by your works." You know, and, and so and so there's we see that that that, that both go together. You know, we can't say we have faith, but yet, you know, not take any action, you know, that, that, that demonstrates our faith. And we can't take action and say, all right, well, I'm just acting, you know, but, but I don't have any faith. They go, they both go hand in hand. And so what Paul is doing, you know, is that, is that he's demonstrating his faith by his works. All right, guys, last meal, boom, throw the rest of the stuff overboard. We're not going to need it anymore. You know, we're going to get to land. And so it goes on to say there in verse 39, it says, When it was day... They did not recognize the land, but they observed a bay with a beach onto which they planned to run the ship if, if possible. And they let go of the anchors and left them in the sea, meanwhile loosing the rudder ropes, and they hoisted the mainsail to the wind and made for shore. But striking a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the prow struck fast and remained immovable. But the stern was being broken up by the, by the violence of the waves, and the soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim away and escape. But the centurion wanting to save Paul, he kept them from their purpose and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land and the rest, some on boards and some on parts of the ship. So, and so it was that they all escaped safely to land. So now we see that they're shipwrecked, you know, they're, at, they're there, they're in the middle of the ocean. They just ate the last meal and now all of a sudden they're shipwrecked. So we see that daybreak comes. You know, and and they're able to see the shore, and what they're doing is that they're, they're trying to they're trying to get to the shore. They're trying to uh, uh, they're trying to park the, the, the ship at the shore. But we see that the wind was so strong, it was too strong, it was too strong, and the waves were were too violent. You know, and so the ship wrecks, and we're told that those who could swim they jumped overboard and they and they and they made it towards land, and then we're told that those who couldn't swim used parts of the boat as floaters. You know, because the boat the ship was made out of wood, and so we're told that, that the rest of the guys who couldn't swim. Uh, Used parts of the boat as floaters and made it safely to land. And so we see that ultimately, you know, I mean, more than a shipwreck, more than, you know, them being out there for two two weeks, more than them not eating, more than anything else. I mean, we see God was faithful to keep his word once again, as he always is, right? I mean, all throughout the book of Acts, we've seen God's faithfulness to to the apostles, to the believers, to the followers, specifically in the life of of the apostle Paul. You know, how God promised them way back is, look, I'm going to get you to Rome. Right? I mean, when, when Paul was under custody, he thought he was going to die. He thought he was going to die right there and then as, as he was in custody. he was like, man, there's 40 guys waiting out, outside. They've taken a vow and they said that they're not going to eat anything until I'm dead. He thought he was going to die. And then God spoke to him and told him, look, Paul, you're not going to die because I need, you to, I, 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 I need you in Rome. I need to take you to Rome. And so now here they are. You know, they're, they're in the middle of the ocean. God speaks to them. And when we see God's faithfulness once again, God is always faithful. You know, the Bible tells us again that, um, well, this is in the Bible, but someone else quoted I'm quoting someone else. I believe it's A.W. Tozer, who said, uh, what, what, "What God has done for any one of His kids, He'll do for all His kids." You know, and if God has been faithful to the Apostle Paul, you know, and to to all the disciples, He'll be faithful to us as well, right? Not just because these guys saw Him firsthand, and not just because they're the apostles. No, whatever God would do for any of those guys, He'll do for us as well. So it goes on it goes on to say there in chapter 28, verse one. It says, "Now when they had escaped." They then found out that the island was called Malta and the natives showed us unusual kindness for they kindled the fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So he got bit. So when the natives saw that the creature hanging, uh, so when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, man, no doubt this man is a murderer whom though, though he has escaped the sea, justice does not allow him to live but he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm Uh, I'll continue reading to verse 6 it says however they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead but after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him they changed their minds and they said man he's a god (laughs) he he must be a god because he survived the, the, the bite of a viper and so what's going on I mean first it seems like the apostle Paul can't catch a break right they land on the island, on the island of Malta. The natives receive them and, and, and welcome them all. And we're told that as Paul was getting firewood, you know, he gets bit by a snake, a viper specifically. I mean, and if you don't know anything about vipers, I mean, it only takes a few seconds for you to die from a, from a, from the bite of a viper. I remember we we're in Colombia and there was a and there was a, a viper loose. I guess somebody someone had spotted it in the trees and we went on this little mission to kill the, to kill the viper. I was with Pastor Hector from Golden Springs and uh. I was just laying in my bed and he just comes in all suited up with a machete. <laughs> this guy's crazy. And he's an angel. He says, There's a viper uh, terrorizing the community. We need to find it and kill it. He talks like that. So I'm talking like he talks. He We need to find it and kill it. I'm like, All right. He says, There. I'm like, All right, I guess. There we go looking for this viper. We never found it, but <laughs> we're looking for it. And then afterwards, it wasn't until afterwards where he told me, where he, where he started telling me all these things. I thought we were just chasing some little snake. And he told me that I uh, had just killed a bunch of cows, that if it, if it bites you, that, there's, that there's, there's no hospital nearby where we could take you to, so you'll probably die. I'm like, all right. You know, after we went hunting for this viper. And so here's Paul, man. He gets bit by a viper. You know, he should have been dead instantly. In a few seconds, in a matter of minutes, he should have been dead. But we see that the Lord preserved his life. And I just think this is amazing. Amazing because it wasn't just a coincidence you know, but it was it was God preserving his life. God told him, you know, again, I need to get you to Rome, and so nothing was going to get in the way of that. You know, not not a riot, not people, you know, taking about trying to kill him, not these uh, these these crooked politicians, not these not not a shipwreck, not them being abandoned at sea, uh, not a viper, nothing, nothing was getting was going to get in the way of God's faithfulness, of God's will, of God's plan being fulfilled in the life of the Apostle Paul, and so these guys marveled; they saw that 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 he got bit. And they, at first they thought, man, this guy must be so bad, you know, that, 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 that justice, you know, the gods, the, the gods are not going to uh, let him get away with this, with this, uh, with this injustice, and so he's going to die no matter what. But when, when they saw him survive, they changed their mind, like, man, he must be a god, can you survive this viper bite, You know, and so it goes on to say there in verse 7, it says, in that region there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island whose name was uh, Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of, of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went in to him and prayed and he laid his hands on him and he healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had disease also came and they were all healed. And it goes on to say, uh, they also honored us in many ways. And when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. So we see that for the Apostle Paul, ministry doesn't stop. Right? Not, not him being uh, in custody, not him being shipwrecked, not him being bit by a viper. Uh, n- for him, ministry doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. We see that again, despite being in custody, despite being all these things. I mean, he still has a heart to minister. He knew what what, what his life's mission was. He knew what, what what God had called him to do, and nothing was going to get in the way of that. You know. And I was reading this, I was thinking to myself, Man, Lord, what's it going to take for me to just say, All right, I say I'm done. You know, no more ministry. That was that was that day, Lord. I've, I was too crazy. You know, I've, I've suffered enough. I've gone through too much or I've whatever. And I think, what's it going to take? You know, and I see that for the apostle Paul, man, this guy was immovable. You know, sometimes I get discouraged by any little thing and I'm like, Oh Lord, that's it. You know, you didn't call me. I'm I'm done. And then he has to remind me like a little baby. Oh no, look, this is that. And the other Right And God reminds us of his his promises of his faithfulness. He reminds us that he's not done with us yet. For the apostle Paul wasn't going to take death pretty much. He was going to continue ministry until he was dead. Until, until he eventually got beheaded by the Romans. You know, so for him, it doesn't stop. And it goes on to say then, verse 11, it says, And after three months, we sailed in, in, in an Alexandrian ship whose figurehead was the twin brothers, which had wintered at the island. And landing at Syracuse, we stayed three days. From there, we circled around and reached uh, Regium. And after one day, the south wind blew. And the next day, we came to Picholi, where we found brethren. And we were invited to stay with them seven days, and so we went toward Rome. and from there, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us as far as Api, Forum and the three ends. When Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. Now when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul, Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier who guarded him. And so we're told again, in the, in the opening verses, when we finally came to Rome. I mean, we could read this and we could read right past this and not realize just the, 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 the depths, you know, of God's faithfulness that's behind this verse. When we finally came to Rome, so finally God's promise to follow, to Paul is fulfilled. You know, he is now in Rome, you know, and, and maybe he, he's not there the way he wanted to be there. For him, he thought he was just going to travel to Rome and, you know, uh, and, and, and just continue ministering like he's like he like he did it in every other city. You know, so he's finally in Rome. Again, maybe not the way he wanted to be there in custody, but he's there He's there, you know, and, and interesting that, that God will often show us things, you know, and, and we begin to plan for those things in our mind and, and, and set the stage and set the road and make the plans, you know, and then we come to find out that God has different ways of doing things. The Bible tells us there in Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, this is my life verse. It says, for, for your thoughts are not, for, it says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord, nor are your ways or my ways. For as high as the heavens are from the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And I think, man, Lord, God shows me something. I think the Lord is leading me to do something and I plan it out and then I bring it before the Lord and I'm reminded of this verse. And I start thinking, man, well, how far is the heaven from the earth? It's a huge gap in between, right? And God says, that's how different my ways are from your ways. And that's how different my thoughts are from your thoughts. Man, Lord, I'm just blown away. And goes on to say in verse 17, and it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. So when they had come together, He said to them, men and brethren, though I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, wanted to let me go because there was no cause for putting me to death. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. Not that I had anything of which to accuse my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have called for you to see you and speak with you because for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. Then they said to him, we neither, receive, we neither receive letters from, the, from Judea concerning you, nor have, have any of the, uh, the brethren who, who came reported or, or spoken any, any, any evil of you. But we desire to hear from you what you think. For concerning this sect, talking about the uh, Christianity, concerning this sect, we know that it is spoken against everywhere. And so Paul, when they had appointed him a day, he came, many came to him at, at his lodging, so the house that he was staying at, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning until evening. So we see that Paul is now addressing the, the leaders of the Jews there in Rome. You know, and it was Paul's custom as we've been reading through the book of Acts and getting into the ministry of Paul. You know, it was his custom that whenever he, he entered a new city, what was the first thing he did? He went in the synagogue. You know, and his heart was for the Jews because he was a Jew himself. You know, so his heart was to reach the Jews, you know, his fellow countrymen. And, and, and so his custom was to go to the Jews first. You know, they would, some of them would reject, some of them would, 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 uh, would, uh, would accept. And then afterwards, he would go to, to the non-Jews, to what's known as the Gentiles. And so we see that Paul now is addressing the leaders of the Jews there in Rome. And I mean, he probably figured that, that, that false rumors had, had, had reached Rome by this point, you know, from Jerusalem. But, but they didn't, they didn't. You know, and, and we're told that, 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 that those Jews, you know, that had falsely accused Paul, they actually never sent word to the other Jewish leaders. Um, probably because they, they they realized that no one would believe them you know probably because they realized that their that their that their false accusations were uh bogus they're like man no one's gonna believe us no one's gonna get on board with this you know i mean they wanted to kill him you know that was like their own bone to pick with him but they realized like man no one's gonna get on board with with, our, with what we want to do and so now paul and we see that paul's gonna get the opportunity to to share with him for himself he's gonna get to speak for himself you know and we see that paul shares from the old testament Tells their, the law of Moses and the prophets. That's all the Old Testament, the same Bible that we have, the Old Testament. So we, he begins to share with them from the Old Testament concerning Jesus and concerning the promises of this Jesus. you know. And he's linking all those Old Testament scriptures directly to Jesus. And he's pointing them to Jesus. He's saying, hey, Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. He's the fulfillment of the law. He's the fulfillment of all the writings that we've been studying since the kids. He's telling them. you know. So again, he, sh- he shares from the Old Testament and, and ties it all back to Jesus. In verse 24, it says... And some were persuaded by the things which were spoken, and some disbelieved. So when they did not agree amongst themselves, they departed after Paul had said one word. He said this, he said, The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers, saying, Go to this people and say, Hearing you will hear, and shall not understand, and seeing you will see, and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes have closed lest they should see with their eyes and, and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and, and turn so that I should heal them. And so uh, Paul's actually quoting from the, from the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament. And so we see, it goes on to say in verse 28, Therefore let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they'll hear it. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had a great dispute amongst themselves and verse 30 says then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him and the last verse of the book of Acts verse 31 it says preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence no one forbidding him man amazing and so we see what's their response you know what's, what's the response of these Jews as, as, as Paul begins to just share with them from the Old Testament concerning Jesus well we're, well, we're told that, that some were persuaded and believed and some didn't you know, and now paul paul understood that his job wasn't to convert anybody you know he's not there trying to convert anybody that wasn't his job you understood that you know but he understood that his job was just to preach god's message to preach the gospel and so was too as well i mean maybe you have family members that you've been praying for for a long time you know, you're thinking man or they just won't believe and i'm shaking them by the by their shirt and say just believe believe right but our our, our job isn't to convert anybody our, our job is just to Shh. preach the word preach the gospel. And, and the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts of sin. Right? All of us are here because the Holy Spirit convicted us at one point of, of our need for God. And so Paul understood that. He said, hey man, he knew that his job wasn't to convert anybody, but just to preach God's message. And the Bible itself says that, that some hear it, but not, but not believe, as Paul quoted from Isaiah. And so Paul spent the last of his years under house arrest, you know, not in a Roman dungeon as some, as some have, have uh, suggested. You know, we're told that, that, that Paul, that at the end of his days, he had his own rented house. You know, he had a Roman guard probably chained with them, chained to him 24-7. That was a custom of the Romans. But he had his own rented house, and, 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 and he had the freedom to just come and go, and people were just coming and going and visiting him until he died. I think that's awesome. I think that's awesome, you know, because we see that, that, uh, that he continued his ministry from, from house arrest. You couldn't go to visit all these different cities, all these different regions like he had all his life. But he continued his ministry now from house arrest. The Bible tells us there in Philippians 1, 12, 13. This is Paul speaking, and he says this. He says, "But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ." So and we see that that this was actually Roman. Uh, I mean, this was actually written while while Paul was under house arrest there in there in Rome. And so, what did Paul do when he wasn't entertaining guests? He was preaching the gospel to the Roman guards. <laughs> this guy's amazing. You know, when he didn't have visitors, when he, didn't, when he wasn't having Bible studies with Luke and with all the guys that were coming to visit him, Timothy, all these other guys, he was sharing Jesus with the Roman guards. You know, and so we see that Paul understood his days were short, and he wanted to preach the word to as many as he could. He had that understanding. Now, some might see this as a tragic end for this giant in the faith, you know, the Apostle Paul, but this was God's plan for him. You know, some might think, man, well, how tragic, you know, that he such a such a huge man of the faith such a such a hero to to so many you know such a such a man of impact for the lord for the ministry and yet this is how he how he, how he spent the rest of his years in house arrest and eventually beheaded but this was god's plan for him you know and we see that that actually it was it was from this roman house arrest that paul wrote the letters to the ephesians uh, he wrote the letter to the philippians he wrote the letter to 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 colossians you know and so without his imprisonment we wouldn't have those amazing letters we wouldn't have those amazing words. We wouldn't have all those amazing verses. I'm thinking of one right now, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Um, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This is the Apostle Paul writing this from, from, from uh, Roman house arrest, knowing that he's facing death. And, and and if he if he would never would have never been under house arrest if he would have never been there there in Rome, uh, in prison we wouldn't have those, those those beautiful words those beautiful promises from the from the Lord Himself, and so we see that that God wasted no time, you know, and neither should we. There's no excuses, right? Here's Paul. He understood. Hey, my days are short. My days are numbered. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna face uh, trial soon. I'm probably gonna die. He did end up dying, you know, under 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 Roman custody. But but for us as well, I mean, our days are numbered as well, right? I mean, how many people just suffered right now, lost through the tsunami, I mean, through through that uh, uh, volcano explosion. It's like, man, you don't know what to expect, right? I mean, life just comes and goes like that. Uh, The Bible describes life as a vapor, you know, as a a smoke, as a mist that's there in the morning and all of a sudden it's gone. You look and then you turn around and it's gone. That's what our life is, you know, And, and, and our days are numbered as well. For the Apostle Paul, he knew. that I mean, literally, they were numbered. But I said, well, I mean, there's no difference. We know that our days are numbered. And for him, for him, for the Apostle Paul, he wanted to make the most out of it. He didn't want to spend any time. He didn't want to waste any time. But he took advantage of the time. You know, actually, he would write to, to, to the Ephesians and he would say, redeeming the times for the days are evil. And so, interesting that with that, we, we finish the book of Acts. We end the book of Acts. But interesting that, that there actually is no end to the book of Acts. There is no finishing, closing line to the book of Acts. And interesting that, that the book of Acts is the only book uh, of the Bible that has no ending. Because God is still working through and designed to work through his followers today. Right? The, the, the title of the book of Acts is, is the Acts of the Apostles. Right, but 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 those acts continue on. They it, it didn't end with the Apostle Paul. They didn't end with the with, with the twelve disciples. They they didn't end with the with the first century church. The book of Acts is an is an open ended book, you know. And it's been it's been um, being written ever since you know Luke started writing ever since the, the the church was birthed there in Acts chapter one. You know, it's it's continued to to be uh, written down still until this day. That's amazing. So keep that in mind. You know, one day we're gonna get to heaven and. Where all the books are going to be open and we're going to see the books of our lives and we're going to see the book of, you know, what the Lord in the city terrace and all the all the believers that were there and everyone was laboring away. And, 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 and the book is an open-ended book. I love that because that encourages me, you know, that, again, that the ministry has not stopped. It's not going to stop. It doesn't stop until, until we're, we're all in heaven and we're made perfect and the work is done. Amen? That I want to pray. Father God, thank you.